Rob Palmer is off for a few days, so Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News, is stepping in, and he joins us now. Good morning. Good morning, Simi. I like to think of myself as Vaughn's stunt double. You know, do you? Like a, yeah, you know, if he's got to go through like a plate glass window or do something dangerous or that kind of thing, I just sort of step in. And, are, uh, are there plate glass windows it. in his basement that he never leaves? Yes. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's chairs, flaming chairs, there's cars, all sorts of dangerous things. So I just service. love the idea of seeing, just picturing Vaughn doing all those things that you just described. And it's right great. up until the, then he tags me in and then I get hit with a chair. Love and then it. We go I, I've yeah. got to go back and look at those videos more closely then, I think, and then try to figure out where that transition happens. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's talk about what's going on in the political world this morning. Some interesting stuff this week. So can you break down the hiring of of Dr. Penny Ballum here. Like, what is going on? Yeah, this is interesting. It's a change we're seeing under Premier David Eby, where he is hiring special advisors in his office to, on big priority files. And the first one was Doug White, uh, former chair of the First Nations Justice Council, who he brought in on Indigenous issues, his spe- special counsel. And then yesterday, it's Penny Ballum, as the technical title is Premier's Health Systems specialist, which um, is going to encompass a lot of different things, it sounds like. But, you know, people know Penny Ballum from over the years. You've probably heard her name most recently. She was responsible for helping design the the massive COVID vaccine rollout uh, for BC, you know, helping create the systems, getting them going, making sure people could get registered and get their vaccines. It was the biggest project I think government has ever done on the fly, executing that vaccine program. So, um, she's got the trust of the premier. We are all uh, in Victoria trying to figure out how the special advisor system is going to work, you know, kind of in reality and how people who have the premier's ear on key files fit into the system of power here in Victoria, where you already have a very competent health minister, Adrian Dix, and he's got a very good deputy minister, Stephen Brown. And how does that fit in with a special advisor to the premier on health. And so we're all sort of watching to see how that plays out because the dynamic here in Victoria, everyone likes their territory. Everyone likes their turf. Everyone has a role. And um, we haven't seen special advisors from a premier before. Yeah. And what does this mean, I guess, for that relationship too, with the health minister? Because I feel like the with John Horgan, it was, he gave his minister's files and then then expected them to be responsible for that. Does this show a little kind of encroaching on that territory? Well, I know. I think what the premier is going for here is that he wants to deploy Penny Ballum in areas where she can take things off of the health minister's plate. Like, for example, the Ontario government paid her a lot of money to help kind of turn an agreement with doctors into reality, kind of execute it. And we, we just have an agreement with our doctors here, a new contract. And so one of the things they could do is kind of deploy her on that, say like, okay, we signed the deal, now make it work. And I think the best case scenario is you take someone with her skill set, which is incredible. I mean, she was a former deputy minister of health under the BC Liberals. Uh, She's a doctor herself who worked in the downtown east side. She's a former city of Vancouver uh, manager uh, and on and on. And you you take things off the minister's plate and you just get them done. Uh, That is what the premier is going for, um, I think. The the worst case scenario is you create a parallel minister slash kind of special minister. And, you know, if the minister and the special advisor don't get along, 
then you create a lot of drama. In this case, Adrian Dix has worked with Penny Ballum already. So I think they work very well together. But if the premier continues this sort of special advisor philosophy, um, you know, we're all watching to see how it plays out. But so far it's worked for him. Right. Does Um, it signal bigger plans perhaps? I, I think I think we might be looking at uh, a couple more. Maybe it's it's not entirely clear, but um, he has four kind of key priority areas that he's talked about, and uh, housing is another big one. And so you know he might be looking at other special advisors in those areas, but um, it changes the power structure a little bit in Victoria. And it's one of the things we're watching with David Eby is how does he make decisions? Who does he go to for advice? How does he execute those things? And this is a different way of doing it. So both of these people, though, are not c- complete outsiders, right? That we're talking about, no. like his advisors. So they are, but he, ha- Premier Eby has seems to have shown a willingness to try different things, right? Not necessarily listen to the bureaucracy in Victoria. Yeah, I'm not sure how much of it is, um, you know, like some premiers like Gordon Campbell were, <laughs> they changed their mind all the time and they kind of brought in people to sort of, pivot government in a different direction. David Eby has, in his mind, a very clear set of things he wants to get done. He's given himself 18 months to do it. And he's, you know, like shot himself out of a cannon. uh, And he's moving at the speed of sound to do it. And so the people he's bringing in like this and Doug White are designed to sort of supercharge what he's already doing. They're not going to sit there and contemplate, you know, how to structurally change a ministry like Gordon Campbell. They're just going to get in, look at the premier's list, say, here's how we execute these things and go. So in that sense, they're, they're, they're kind of ways to speed things up. But Victoria is a weird place, you know, and, and politics is a weird place. Sometimes your best intentions don't work out. Sometimes they work out um, in ways you never thought. So this structure is fascinating to us watching uh, politics. Hmm. Okay. Interesting, right? We, we on this side of the water, we go, okay, that's a headline. They hired Penny Ballum, but you're right. There's so much more, so much more to that. Uh, the other thing I noticed yesterday, there was a lot of discussion about this agreement that the premier announced with the Blueberry River First Nations. What is this all about? Yeah, I mean, this could not get any further physically from listeners here in, in Victoria. We're talking about north uh, eastern BC, Fort St. John kind of area. But the government lost a court case in 2021 with the Blueberry River Nation, which basically the court case was that government had been authorizing so many natural resource projects, oil and gas and Site C and things in, in that part of the province that it had infringed on the treaty rights of Blueberry, uh, the Blueberry River First Nation. And so government had to make this right. And what this is, you know, there's two parts to it. One is making it right with the nation itself as part of the court case. And the other is setting a framework for how government does natural resource planning and things like oil and gas and things like, um, you know, hunting and fishing and forestry in rural BC. And so yesterday's agreement was a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. It was money on the table for Blueberry River. It was, um, you know, a, a discussion of how they can manage their land. It was a, in some ways, a curtailment of forestry and a curtailment of natural gas, uh, unless it's authorized in consultation with the nation itself. So the, the bigger picture there is, I think this is the future of resource development in northern BC with First Nations. And it set out a path to sort of say, we're going to manage the land together. We're going to limit forestry, which is a, another shot at the forest sector. I think they're, they are right to be 
concerned about what's happening uh, both on, you know, in the industry and in government policy on forestry. And, um, you know, and just kind of in general, in the parts of the province that people in Metro Vancouver don't know and they don't understand and maybe have never thought about, they all work a slightly different way. And they extract things from the ground and they chop down trees and how that all works with First Nations is the one of the defining issues of our time. And this was a an agreement that begins to set out how government goes about doing that together without losing future court cases and, and violating right. the, the treaty rights of nations. Because that was the problem, right? Like this decision, as you mentioned, was 18 months ago. Uh, and there was no appeal of it. The government didn't move it further. But there was a lot of, it seems like, waiting for these negotiations to be done. They're very sensitive, right? And they're very, very complicated. The briefing yesterday is very complicated. There's different areas that are at play. There's different sort of like types of trees. There's things like no, um, you know, herbicides that will be sprayed again. There's a curtailment. Like there's a, a clawing back of the, what we call the forest tenures, in that area so that some people are going to have their forestry rights taken away um, and compensated in order to make this agreement work. There's a curtailment of natural gas. And one of the things, and I've talked to some people up in this area, one of the things that really bugged people was the uncertainty the last 18 months. Um, There were folks who were trying to access water on their own private land that were tied up in the fact that everything was on hold, basically, because government had paused everything while it tried to settle this deal. And best case scenario, this is certainty that allows some projects to go forward as long as you can get the buy-in from the local nation. Worst case, um, I think if you're in the forest sector and you're looking at this, you are beginning to realize that the future of forestry in this province on in terms of access to timber supply is not good. Um, it's partly NDP policy. It's partly sort of reality of the day. Uh, and, uh, you know, David Eby is in the middle of a forestry week. And I don't think yeah. he has a lot of good news for the forestry sector. Um, this the, buried in the details in here is more bad news uh, for that sector, for sure. So is it hard to give them that good news, right? Because it seems so simple to talk about what forestry industry wants when this is what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't first, I don't think the NDP particularly care about the forest sector. Um, that's the first thing to they, they care more about reconciliation and climate change than they do about that sector. And this hits both of those boxes. Um, they're more interested in adding protected land to their protected land targets than they are about helping um, people cut down trees. And it's just an ideological thing that th- this version of the New Democrats in government haven't haven't lifted a finger to help the forest sector, and they haven't done so this week. Their aid package was woefully small and inadequate and doesn't address really any of the major issues. So I think um, in that sense, it doesn't do anything for forestry. It doesn't do a lot for natural gas, but those are not priority areas for New Mm. Democrats. They're very interested in reconciliation and UNDRIP and climate change and protection. And and in that that sense, this is a pretty big deal. Uh, And people, I know it's, I know it's a long ways away, but it's going to affect other parts of the province too. Oh, it's a critical part of the province. Rob, thank you. Okay, take care.